What's up, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode, episode three of the Leaders in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, with my co-host, Sylvie. And we're stoked to be back here. Just a, a quick preface, preface. Uh, someone please correct me on the correct pronunciation, actually. In over three decades on this earth, I have no idea how to say that word. Uh, the episode itself was recorded several months in the past. The intro is uh, as close to live as possible. I just add that caveat because some of the things that we mentioned in terms of the state of the world may no longer apply. With that said, it has nothing to do, uh, or no impact, I suppose is a better term, on the content and the information inside of the podcast. So we're, we're super excited. On today's podcast, we're actually joined by Preston Green. He's a graduate of Clemson University and is now in his 10th season as a strength and conditioning coach for the Florida Gators. Uh, he actually just works with the, with the basketball team uh, at Florida. They just came off of a pretty impressive year. I want to say Final Four at March Madness, but they could have been Elite Eight. Uh, someone else can probably correct me on that as well. Preston is a level five certified coach through the Paula Quinn International Certification Program. He has an absolute wealth of knowledge and experience within the industry, and we were really, really excited to talk to him. Yeah, so in today's episode, we talk about his obsession with strength and conditioning, his journey to Florida, and why connecting with his athletes matters so much as a strength coach. Awesome, guys. Well, without any further ado, please enjoy episode number three of the Leaders in Sport podcast with Preston Green. Normally, the month of May, I have like 12, 12 out of my 15 guys here. Right. And then June and July, which is our like preseason model, I have all 15 guys here. And then at the end of August, we start like our preseason model of like, let, let's get these guys ready to play. Like we got to compete here for 35 games. Like let, let's get ready. Well, when all this hit, you, you got to really go back to – the first week of March. Okay, so we're in Nashville, Tennessee. It's our SEC conference tournament. So, like, we are literally getting on the bus after pregame meal. The best menu ever. Steak, eggs, omelet station, like, <laughs> fish oils rolling, Alpha GPC. Like, let's go win okay. this thing. We get a phone call. Hey, season's canceled. Like, like what do you mean? Like, you guys got to go home. Like, what do you mean? Like, we're going to go play. Like, we're not going home. And so, like, things got shut down then. We flew home and literally got off of our plane. Guys went this way, this way. Everyone went home and dispersed. Like, season's over. So, we never had closure. Really, really sad for those senior, you know, players that had worked their whole life for this moment. So, there was no postseason tournament, no March Madness, no nothing devastating usually when season ends we have you know seven to ten days off and then here we go yeah none of that occurred so we okay let's bring the guys back at the middle of june well we pushed that back because things got worse you know worse and worse yeah. first week in july here we go nope called the guys push it back again right end of july we're coming back nope <laughs> pushed it back again so i literally lost about 14 weeks of my off season with these guys. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we, is everyone yeah. back now though? Are they, are they now back? 
Yeah, so basically the, uh, the first week of August, the middle of August, we got everybody back. Now, keep in mind, you're talking, we have not done anything since the first week of March, okay? If you're a competitive athlete, like you're talking March, April, May, June, July, I mean, that's 35 basic, like, I mean, that, that, that's crazy. So we gave them home workouts, things to do, but you know, you know how it is. Like it, it's just a different deal. Um, but to my team's credit, we have a really, really good group of guys that have a lot of substance and intrinsic motivation and a lot of character where they didn't just sleep in till one o'clock on the, on the couch of their mom's house and play video games all day and be lazy. So they did what yeah. we needed to do. So long story short, when they came back, I tested them. And I, I tell you what, one of the most interesting things is, uh, you know, I had this big conception going in of like, wow, we're going to be so out of shape. We've got to recondition. But uh, I think it speaks to the volume of our culture here and the things we've done in the past of having a winning environment. You know, we, we've had, you know, the NBA playoffs were the other night with the finals, and, and we have had the most consecutive uh, – players out of 16 straight NBA finals in any school in the country. So wow. like, it's, it's a testament to our environment. Like our guys know how to work. They know how to win. They know what goes into winning. They know how to take care of the bodies. They know how to eat the right things, take the right supplements, things like that. So when these guys came back, uh, I had this big like idea of like, Oh my gosh, this is a disaster, but they were way ahead than what I had expected. And I'll tell you what, like, it's we're actually like way ahead of where we would be like, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like We're better off now than we've been in the past. So, but uh, we, we can get at, we can get into that in a little bit. I think that goes into yeah. some re regeneration stuff. Um, you know, with guys not being on their legs year round and running and jumping, twisting, cutting, lunging every day of their life um, and things like that. But it's been an adventure. It's, it's been a huge challenge to me. I've done this for, Gosh, 26 years, I think now. Uh, I started when I was really young, but uh, I've never had to endure anything like this in my career where you have to really go back and look at, at what you've done in the past and where you want to go and lay things out where you, you don't have a plan. It's a day-to-day -day adventure, you know, because with the contact yeah. tracing things, like I've had uh, eight or nine guys the last two weeks quarantined. So, like, I had this beautiful plan of eight-week program progression. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's transition to power. Let's get you ready. You know what? They're out. Ten days. Like, what do you mean ten days? Quarantined. So, it, it has really set me back with a lot of things. But maybe, you know, made me be creative with some stuff. So, anyways, long explanation, but. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's very interesting. We're kind of in a, like, uh, a, a very interesting phase because we work primarily with hockey players. So, it's. Uh, they're, they're back right now and they were, some of them went and played the, finished the playoffs and now they're back until January. So it's like, it's very, a lot of pivoting and a lot of obviously being creative. <laughs> yeah. It's not your traditional model of here's X, oh, Y, and Z. Here you go. Give this much time with them. And yeah, yeah. got 12 weeks in the training camp. Like, like when is your first game? Like, you don't know. We don't, we don't know. They, they keep changing it. So you know, exactly. we're, we're happy to have them right now. So yeah, we're supposed to play on November 25th is our first game. Okay. I don't know if it's home or away. 
it may be the 26th, maybe, I, I don't know. And like something like that goes a long way into program design and, and so forth of like, when's your training session before your game? And if we tip off, you know, I usually like to have a 24 hour rule where I want my guys off their legs 24 hours before competition. We may tip at 7 p.m., it may be 9 p.m., it may be noon. And, and you know, to your average person, like that's not a big deal, but my life, like it, it's, it's like the stock market crashing. It's like, oh my gosh, like the world's, in, you know? Hey. So, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Awesome. I, we're, we're just going to roll right into it because I, yeah. I, I don't want to miss that. That was amazing. It's good for people to hear, right? Um, Preston, you've been, you've been at Gainesville now. You've been there for 10 years, 12 years. What's the... I'm not that old, but yeah. Uh, this is my 10th season here. 10th ten, season? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's my 25th or 26th year of coaching. Got it. Uh, I started when I was 14 years old. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I read the Australian Journal of Sport. Okay. All uh, my guy Charles Paulquin's article, and it made sense to me and hit me home. And I said, you know what? I like this stuff. I was 14, so like, what did I know? But it, it really connected with me, and and uh, from there, I just kind of just evolved and grew. And when I was 16 years old, I got his home phone number. Okay. And I got the audacity and the nerve to call him up. <laughs> At 16. Like, yeah, yeah. And so I I told the story before, but uh, I was 16 years old, and I pick up the phone. This is back. You had to like dial, you had to dial the phone like this. But you actually yeah. punch it in. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I call him up and I say, Hey Charles, my name's Preston green, 16 years old, big fan of yours, read this. And he, I can't say it, but he says, Hey, how the beep, 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 beep. Did you get my number? Bang. Hangs up the phone. Oh my I, gosh. <laughs> There's not a lot of strength coaches getting a fan call, especially from 16-year-olds. Yeah, I was devastated, devastated. So it took me about two more days to get the nerve back up. And, but I actually – I wasn't like calling them to say, hey, how you doing? Like I had a question. So uh, I think back then this, this, this can relate to Designs for Health, but the very first uh, uh, study on glutamine had come out, and I had a question about glutamine in athletes. So I call them back up two days later, and I say, hey, Charles – I am pressing green, blah, blah, blah. I have a question about glutamine. Don't hang up the phone. It's about glutamine. And it says, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think the eyebrow like went up. And uh, so anyways, that's kind of how my relationship with him started. And uh, when I was 17, I went to Clemson University. Uh, and I volunteered there. This is an important note when I give uh, talks about strength training. But when I volunteered there, I was 17 years old freshman in college i had this big idea of like, i'm going to train athletes top 10 football program here we go i could not even spot a guy wasn't allowed i had to seriously observe and clean the weight room for 12 weeks all i could do, i could take the trash out like that's it and like Nothing against today's society, but with the new generation of guys, they all think I watch YouTube videos and this, I'm an expert, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've arrived, I'm ready to train people. I couldn't touch a bar. I could take the trash out <laughs> for 12 weeks. But during those 12 weeks, I learned more about strength training, uh, organization, how to manage a weight room, 
how to take pride in your equipment, uh, everything that went into a program, all the intangibles during those 12 weeks. Uh, and then the head strength coach, who was actually the youngest strength coach in the NFL, when he was 24, he was the head strength coach for the Detroit Lions. Uh, he said, hey, you're really passionate about this. I know you really, really are into this, this is what you want to do. I want to give you a scholarship. So he gave me a full scholarship for the next three and a half years, college paid for to be a strength coach. I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is great. But he says, hey, you have five teams. You have volleyball, soccer, men's golf, men's cheerleading. I'm like, men's cheerleading? Like, who wants to train men's cheerleading? Like, give me the girls, you know, uh, <laughs> and so forth. So uh, I had a lot of responsibilities that came with, with my opportunity. So I took that experience and, and I, to this day, when I have people under me, I said, hey, with opportunity, you have a responsibility. So don't screw it up. Uh, so anyways, uh, from there, that's when I started going to uh, Charles's uh, seminars. I think it was 1997. I was, I don't know, 19 years old or whatever the heck it was. Uh, I went to his very, very first seminar. It was in Connecticut. It was like a scientific shoulder and back seminar. I'm like, what does this have to do with athletics? Nothing at all. But I learned more in that uh, eight hours, probably five hours, knowing Charles. Supposed, supposed to be there for eight. I think he may have taught for five. but <laughs> And uh, I learned more in that seminar for sport than I did for the previous 10 years of anything I read. And he said to me, he said, hey, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. If you want to learn, go see someone in person. Don't, this is before the internet now. Don't read it. Don't call them. Invest and go see them in person. So go seek out the best. Go find them and go learn. So I said, okay, this is really, really good stuff and so, and so forth. Uh, so anyways, uh, I went to the University of Minnesota. Now, if you have a, a map of the United States, <laughs> I started okay. down here in South Carolina, <laughs> right? Okay. I went to the University of Minnesota. I did my graduate work, uh, my master's degree. Then I got the, direct, or the associate director's job at the University of Arizona. So I went from the snow to the desert. <laughs> I was there for three years. Uh, and Charles's training uh, – studio was in about 90 minutes north of that in Tempe, Arizona. Right. So I'm at U of A doing my thing. And he says, Hey, I want you to come up on the weekends, come work for me, come coach for me. Uh, I said, okay, great. Free seminar every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing with him was for free. I worked <laughs> like 50 hours a day, <laughs> uh, trained everyone for free, whatever. But I learned more during that time. And the reason I brought this up was, he said, hey, let's go out to lunch. And so there was someone in the front seat. So I get in the back seat of his car, and there's like 50 empty bottles of supplements. And I'm like looking. I'm like, what is this? What is this? What is this? Like, I can't pronounce this stuff. <laughs> and ironically, the majority of the empty bottles, and I'm sitting in like Crystal's car seat, I think, at the time, uh, was <laughs> designs for health. And so long story short, I say, hey. Charles, like these, I've never heard of these brands. Like you can't buy them in stores. And at the time, like I didn't know the difference, you know, whatever. And he said, Hey, if you want a good supplement, 
never go to the store. He said, there's raw ingredients that come from certain places, certain companies are better with whatever. He says, don't ever buy anything off the shelf at Walmart or CVS. He says, these are the brands that you need. And it was uh, DFH at the time. And this was, gosh, 20 years ago. And uh, that's kind of how I fell into the Designs for Health model and so forth. Um, so I won't waste time with my career and journey off of that. But uh, ironically, I did not know, and this is my 10th year here with the Gators at, at Florida, that Jonathan, who is obviously the, uh, the CEO and the founder and so forth of the company, he is a University of Florida grad. So I had the opportunity to be with him uh, last season and spend some time with him. And our, our paths kind of connected with is what Charles was great at of connecting people and so forth. And so he brought Jonathan and myself together and that's kind of uh, my, my story. So I, I started out in Charles's back seat, which as a male, I don't like saying that out loud, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I started out. It was an empty bottle. <laughs> and, uh, but I met Jonathan designs for health through that. And it's been an unbelievable journey and, and I'm grateful for, uh, for where I'm at now. Uh, you know, obviously because of the people that I've been around. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I think we're gonna hop into some of the supplement side, but but in this like in the development of this podcast, I, one of our goals is to is to introduce the main characters to the plot, and you're certainly one of the main characters that I think we'll have on like reoccurring as we continue through this. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about about your story and your coaching and your perspective because I think a lot of these listeners are going to be exactly that: strength coaches or personal trainers with aspirations of working with high level athletes. I mean, you would know as well as anyone, it's such a sought after position or idea. Like I want to work with athletes. It's like, well, why do you want to work with athletes? Like, why is that important to you? Right. Um, so I guess our, one of our questions uh, for you is, is your, did you, al you always want to work with pros or like high level amateur athletes? Was that always a, a direction that you wanted to head in? No, I, I think that's a great, great question. It's a very interesting question. Um, there's a lot of perspectives and avenues you can uh, diverge from that. You know, when I, my, my story is unique in the sense of I started at age 14, so a very, very, very young age. Um, I was the slow, like bad athlete that played sports but wasn't good enough but I always had an interest in making others better. So it wasn't that at that age, I wanted to go train with Wayne Gretzky or, or Michael Jordan or whatever, uh, or Bo Jackson, or I guess today's listener, that would be like LeBron James. I don't know who the top hockey guy is now or whatever, but, but uh, I always had a passion for making other people better. And so when I got to uh, Clemson at that young age in college, you know, I had, gosh, three or four top, you know, NFL draft picks during that time. But I didn't know the difference between those guys' nervous system than the walk-ons nervous system who, like, couldn't play. Like, I didn't have a grasp for that from a, from a coaching standpoint. Uh, so it wasn't like I wanted to work with the top guys because they're going to be bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else. I just always wanted to – implement some type of training system to make other people better from an athletic standpoint. Okay. So now I had the opportunity, like I, when I introduced myself, I trained a, 
variety of sports, soccer, golf, tennis, volleyball, whatever. And through Charles, I started to learn like each sport has a certain uh, dynamic to it. They all need to get lean. They all need to get fast, explosive and strong and quick in their sports. But like, how do you actually achieve that for each sport? And I think what's really changed in the dynamic of the profession is it's become so sports specific. He told me, gosh, 15 years ago, there's no such thing as sports specific. There's something called strength specific. Okay, so how do you get a volleyball player to do this versus a tennis player to do that? It isn't by going and training specific for the sport. It's how do you get them strong in the movements that they need with respect to their sport? And I think that's gotten lost in the art of coaching in the last 10, 12, 15 years. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. So that's kind of my interest started at a young age with that of like, how can I make these guys better? Not, not by making them, you know, Okay, so Brad Beal, he's like, he has to wear, I'll steal this from Charles, but he has to wear a ski mask to go get his paycheck. Guy makes like $200 million now for the Washington Wizards. He was yeah. the number three pick in the NBA draft. I had him for one year. He's a, one, a true one and done, right? Number, number three pick. Now, did I train him to like achieve that? No. Guy was born that way. If you're born a cheetah, you're a cheetah. If you're born a hippopotamus, you're a hippopotamus, right? <laughs> so, like, it wasn't a desire for me to, like, just go work with these great athletes to say, you know, I trained the number three pick. I trained the number one pick. What, no, like, no, no, no. Like, my, my true uh, passion from a young age, and I, I don't know where this came from, but, like, I want to take someone who's average or below average and make them great. Or I want to take someone who's good and make them great or even beyond this, and this is what I deal with every single day in this profession. This is another uh, topic and discussion, but like I want to take someone who's really gifted and really talented and who is great, but truly make them great. So like, that's how you coach. Like, like, like how do you instill that worth work ethic and values and give them a day-to-day -day consistent basis of like, teach you how to work hard. Cause you understand as an athlete, they're told every day of their life, you're the best. You're the next Kobe. You're the next LeBron. You're the next this and this and this. And like, I see it every year because we get great, great athletes here. But like these guys, everyone's talented at this level. But like, how do you get from talent to make it to be a professional? Like, like that's the key of coaching because everyone's good. But like, what are you going to do to separate yourself? Like you're probably, you can jump as high as me. You're as fast as me. You may be quicker than me, but like, what am I going to do to outwork you every day? How am I going to make you better? How am I going to just improve my skill development today? If I have two hours to get better, what am I going to do? Are you going to play PlayStation? Are you going to play Call of Duty? Are you going to do this? Are you going to waste time? Hang out with your girlfriend? Like, you know what? I'm going to outwork you. So like, that's where my passion came from is like, how do you teach these guys who everyone's good to really, really excel? Well, and I, yeah. It's so funny, especially as a, as a strength and conditioning coach, you could have, you, you could, you can read every book in the world, but if you don't have buy-in from an athlete, it doesn't matter. The, yeah. guy, the guy who has buy-in wins. But you know what? 
when we, so when we have recruiting visits here, we bring in tons and tons of prospects because we're competing with all other schools. We want the cream of the crop, the best athletes who fit our model with what we call the Florida formula um, with gratitude, truth, um, toughness, and loyalty. Like those are the four characteristics that we look for from a prospect. It's not about how good you are, but like we want those, those qualities. But yeah, like, like, like you said, so like with that, like how do we get you to come in here? I could write the most magical best strength program, at, which I will. I will write I'll, – I will bury anybody in methodology, right? But right. it doesn't matter. If you don't execute it at a high level or I don't coach you at a high level, whether I'm tired, you're tired, I don't feel like doing it today. You don't feel like doing it. You know what? It doesn't matter. Like it's not about what's on the paper. It's about your attitude, effort, and toughness each and every day with the right mindset of coming in of like, you know what? I want to work today. I want to get better. Because again, everyone's talented. It's not about the program that I design. It's about how you execute it each and every day with the right mentality and mindset and effort and passion that's going to make you better than the next guy that's just as talented. And I know it may sound you know a bit cliche-ish, but it's so true because if you watch the NBA Finals the other night, like all those guys are really, really, really good. But the most connected team is the one that's going to win. The most durable team that doesn't get hurt is going to win. It's not necessarily who's the strongest team, pound for pound, with bench press or whatever, but there's so many intangibles that go into winning. And the formula that goes into winning is so interconnected. You have to find a way to get these guys to be consistent. Because the limiting factor – in sport is inconsistency, hands down. It's, it's not even close because you have a good game. Next game, it's natural human tendency. Ah, I'm not going to work as hard. Next two practices might not be as intense as they should be because you know I scored 30 or whatever. But like each and every day, from a consistent stand, consistency standpoint, that's what makes you great. How how do you go about building that buy-in with your with your players, and, or or how do you suggest that? I guess, how do you suggest that uh, coaches listening to this start to build that buy-in with their athletes? Because we can, we can feel your energy through the, through the screen right now. We can tell you're very passionate about what you do. And I'm sure that, that carries over, and they, and they feel it. You guys just took too much of the liquid GPC that uh, <laughs> DFS has put out. But, uh, you know, I, I, that's a great question also, and, and I wish I could be really uh, – transparent with with a, a great encompassing answer you, you know it's it's a really challenging question because i think first and foremost you have to understand who your athlete is right or your client is they're all from different backgrounds they're all from different different ethnicities they're all from different cultures like, it's a crazy deal. Like, I got two guys from Nigeria who have never touched a weight in their life. And, like, one dude's like a prince. I'm like, you're a prince? Like, like damn. Like, okay. You're, you're. He's like, no, no, no. It's not like that. This other dude comes from, like, this tribe of, like, they don't speak English. And I had this other kid who's, like, from wherever who's, like, 
completely different background than him. So, like, when you mesh these guys together, it, it, it's a really challenging uh, aspect as a coach. So, number one, you have to find out who they are and where they come from. So, like, they don't walk in my weight room and say, oh, my gosh, you're Preston Green. You've trained 15 NBA first-round picks and whatever. Like, they, they have no idea. No clue. Or, oh, you're Preston Green. You, you are Charles Poliquin's prodigy. Like, it's like, that means nothing. So it's for me as a coach, like, how can I relate to them? Okay, so I have to take the initiative. Hey, how, who are your parents? Get them on the phone call. Get them on a Zoom, whatever. Your background. Get to learn from them. Where would you go to high school? Did you play sports? What did you do? Like, this and that, like. They all think they're great, like we talked about earlier, but the difference of being great in a low-level league in the middle of wherever versus being great in, you know, in urban Chicago, like, it's a different level of, of athletics. So, like, you have to learn who they are, where they come from, and so forth, number one. Number two, you have to learn what motivates them. And this has changed – Maybe I'm old now. I don't think I'm that old, but like uh, the way you talk to athletes has changed the last 20 years. Okay. True. And I always argue with Charles about this all the time because he would say, hey, hey kick him out. Let him go. You know, I can't say like what he would do, but you can kind of get it. But yeah. <laughs> you can't do that in today's society because number one, they won't respond. Number two, they won't come back. <laughs> Number three, you probably lose your job and get fired. <laughs> uh, but you have to find a way like, to relate to them. They respond to coaching in a different manner. Some guys, and I deal with this a lot, they need a father figure. A lot of them come from broken uh, families, backgrounds, like grandma raised them, whatever. Like, they want the authority from a father figure. Other guys come from different backgrounds of like, don't get in my face, man. Like, I, I don't need to hear this stuff from you, like, you know, whatever. So, like, you got to find what connects with them because some guys want a little bit more direct verbal coaching. Some guys you got to kind of back off, give them a couple kinesthetic cues on, hey, elbows up, you know, what chest up, whatever. Some, you know, it's just different for each guy. So I, I think that goes into the art of coaching, of getting guys to buy in. It's not about what I design and what I write or my knowledge, it's about establishing that relationship first and foremost. And then they will start, you know, getting closer to you. That's when I start giving them some knowledge after a month or two months of like, how's your sleep, your breakfast, you know, whatever. Like, I don't overwhelm them with like, hey, turn your phone off at night, go to bed at 9 p.m., get up at the same time every day, meet nuts for breakfast, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, and this goes back to what Charles taught me is you change one, the magic number one, one, one thing at a time. So first and foremost, it's get to know them, get them to buy in, and then change one habit at a time. So my goal uh, after that is I want to change seven things in one year. Okay. So you can do the math, but it, yeah. I, I, go through that process. And after the one thing that I change first, I then try and change seven things within one year and then go from there. 
And is there, is that seven individual to eat each athlete or are you just taking like, you're taking the lowest hanging fruit each time as you go, as you go through? Uh, I mean, my goal is uh, each guy I want to establish seven habits in a year. Right. Uh, like again, I hate to keep saying it, but Charles taught me, you know, the, the 7% rule, uh, with related to strength training over seven years. And I basically took his 7% rule and brought it into my life with my athletic continuum with respect to habits of seven habits within a year, because you can do the math. There's 12 months in a year and so forth. It gives you enough time with respect to 66 days to establish a habit and so forth. Right. What's, uh, what, what are the big ones? If you like, what, is it sleep with these guys, with your <laughs> clients? Is that, uh, that's is that the, that's, number one is, is breakfast. 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 Like, yeah, like, I don't want to smash my guys into the ground and humiliate them, but I'll be honest, man. Like I've trained every sport in the world pretty much like literally, uh, except for a few. I've never trained a cross country runner or uh, a snow skier, but anyone that's serotonin dominant, I will not touch, but I've trained basically every sport. Basketball are the worst eaters ever, ever, ever. I, w I won't even tell you the horror stories or maybe I will, but well, we, we've seen some of the, uh, the candies in the back there and the, that they shared on, on, uh, the NBA finals there. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> I've had guys show up seriously. Three o'clock workout, three p.m. lift. What'd you eat today? Nothing. I said, Wait, "You missed lunch?" Like, no, no, no. Like nothing. Like it's it's three o'clock. Like you have breakfast? No. You have lunch? No. What time did you get up? Oh, two fifty because I had a lift. <laughs> like, they're like, and, and like, no joke. If you don't have, they don't have class. They don't have school. Like, like that gets in a whole other deal. But like, as a strength coach, if you want to like percentage lifts and you have this idea of like, we're going to do 90% clusters today. It ain't happening, man. Um, but number one would be breakfast. That's the very, very, very first habit in theory. Now I, I like to bridge the gap from theory to reality. In theory, you should fix sleep first, number one. But in my reality, the very most limiting factor is breakfast because of those reasons. Like, guys will show up for a 7 o'clock tip-off for a game. Like, you're on national TV on ESPN in front of 15,000 people in the arena, 2 million people on TV. Like, are you going to eat breakfast? Did you want to do better? I would assume so. Or maybe have like lunch, a pregame meal, or take your bite, like whatever, your supplements. Like, it, like it's just a different mindset. So for me, the, and you got to understand now, like, when these kids come in, their backgrounds and so forth, like it's just a different upbringing. They're naturally gifted. They're naturally talented. They can jump 40 inches. They can do this, this, and this. Like, why do I need all this stuff? Well, when you get to this level, again, everyone's good you want to get to the NBA or the next level, everyone's even better. So I like to change breakfast first. And here's, again, it's the most important thing, but here's why. Number two would be sleep. Sleep is the hardest thing to change with what I deal with than any other factor, than any other encompassing aspect of performance, nutrition, or training, or whatever. Because they're more compliant to actually put food in their mouth <laughs> than go to bed at nine at, at nine ten eleven o'clock at night 
Like that, that's the reality. So I like to bridge the gap of theory and reality. So yeah, uh, breakfast number one and then sleep would be number two. And then we'll progress from there with eating more protein and less uh, refined carbohydrates, healthy fats and, and, and taking your nutrients off of that. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky, lucky enough here at Florida where I was the first team uh, in the United States to ever do lab testing, blood testing. Um, so I will do two blood draws a year. Uh, it's a com comprehensive analysis where I can test every nutrient, vitamin, everything you can imagine, uh, hormones, thyroid, gut, whatever it may be. And then I can basically put a guy on a specific nutrient protocol based off of their lab testing. No one else in the country does that. Uh, and I started that, I think, about seven years ago. And what, what, why is it that no one else in the country does that uh, still? They just they haven't convinced the right people that it has the value? Is yeah. that the... Smart guy. Yeah. Uh, number one, it's expensive. Uh, it's costing about $40,000 a year to do that. Uh, and so... But for 2 yeah. million people on ESPN, it's not that expensive. <laughs> well, but you understand, <laughs> if I do it, then... Softball, lacrosse, soccer, tennis, they all want to do it. So it's from an administrative standpoint, it's, it's a very expensive uh, so forth. But we have a top five program in the country where, you know, I'm fortunate enough to do that. Uh, and number two, I'll be honest, it took me a year and a half to get that launched. I had to go through medical advisory boards, loop after loop. Like it's taboo, like needle, blood. I'm like, we're not doping. Like I am checking for performance markers, I'm not checking for illness, sickness, you know, whatever. Like these are performance-based markers, and it just with the uh, legality and so forth of student athletes and the way society is today. It, it took me about a year and a half to get that launched. Um, so it, it, that's pretty much why. Uh, but it's been a game changer for me, and I always tell the story when I very first did that, and I'm in sunny Florida. You know, uh, my average vitamin D out of 15 guys, guess what it was? Oof. I don't even know. <laughs> well, it must have been low if you're like, you'd assume it was high, but if it's a story, yeah. it's got to be, it's got to yeah, be low. So I have 15 players on my team. We're in Florida. It's pretty sunny, except for the hurricanes. Pretty good. <laughs> like, just take a guess. So the spectrum is what, 30 to 100. I, I would have guessed 70, 80, somewhere in that range would have been my guess, but. Yeah. I mean, I would go lower because I know it, the absorption might be a little low. You so say seven guess, or eight or 70 or 80? 70 or 80 is what I said. I would guess 70. 40, 50. Okay. Uh, the average was 19. Wasn't even on the spectrum. Wow. Now you're talking high-end athletes who run jump, twist, cut, plant, sprint, everything you can imagine from a human body movement every day, 19. And so I said, wow, like, how do we not have stress fractures? How do we not have illnesses? How do we not have, you know, acute respiratory or chronic overuse injury? Crazy. Uh, after a year, I got it up to, I think, about 55 or 60, and now everyone's close to 80 now. Right. Like I tell that story because that's the reality from a health and nutrition and wellness standpoint. You want to work with athletes. You want to be a strength coach. Like that's what you're dealing with, man. Like it ain't just 
LeBron shows up and here we go and, and you know, life's good. Like my average vitamin D was 19. Now I, I like to get into that segment because as a strength coach, when guys get injured, ankle sprain, knee, back, whatever, from a nutrient standpoint, you think vitamin D, zinc, or omega-3 deficiency, whatever it may be. And so I had that data to, you know, to back me up where like no one else does that. But like Charles always told me as a strength coach, you're one injury away from being fired. Whether you're with the Chicago Bulls, the Maple Leafs, the Florida Gators, whatever, like you get a top five draft pick hurt in the weight room, like you're screwed. Like it ain't going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it, it gives me data also of like, hey, this is where they were. This is where we are. Um, but, you know, with respect to that, when I got those levels up, our injury uh, rate went way, way down. But most importantly, from a, a supplement health and wellness standpoint, our rate of respiratory illnesses and sicknesses went way, way, way down. Because what reality is in sport is if you miss a practice, you're not playing in the game or yeah. you miss a game. Like, like you're so far behind and you think, Oh, I miss a day of practice. But like we play two or three times a week. As the game's over at 9 PM, ESPN goes off, they go to the next game. What we do in sport, we meet in the locker room games over. We're on the next game. We got to play again in 48 hours. So like from a physical standpoint, I have to start getting these guys ready to physically and mentally compete for that next game and coach has to get in their brain and their mind of let's get locked in because that next scouting report that next game's different like you're guarding different personnel you're guarding different player actions are different the physicality is different this team may be more up tempo maybe slower so like in my mind it's like what do i need to do from the training aspect to get them ready to compete for that next game and a lot of that supplementation goes in to what we do from a recovery standpoint. And I think the blood testing has been, been a key for that. Yeah. And I think that's just like you said, you're not guessing, especially when it comes to athletes and having data and they, you know, obviously love that in the weight room. So, you know, I think uh, the testing and, and having those exact numbers is so important for, for that buy-in piece too. Right. Yeah. And it, t- it takes the guesswork out of it too. Cause you know, you guys know from, from, from that standpoint of like, not everyone needs vitamin C, not everyone needs vitamin E, not everyone needs fish oil, you know, whatever, like everyone's very specific on what they need and so forth to increase their athletic capacity and performance. And it, it takes the guesswork out of it. You know, like, like just as, Bad as being deficient in something, being excessive in something is just as detrimental to your health. You know, what 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 have you noticed are the big supplements that that you guys have incorporated into the program? I mean, if you had to paint it in a in a broad stroke, yeah, great great question. Um, from a performance aspect, I'll say this: uh, number one would be magnesium, just with respect to calming the nervous system down at night as well is uh, from a hydration standpoint, uh, I think it's very important. Magnesium, I can't stress it enough. Like every year when I, and I have the data to show it up, like from an athletic standpoint. So I'll test the way I won't get into it, but on an annual spectrum, the way I test is I have the whole team here in July and that's when our activity is the lowest because all we are doing is strength training. 
There's no practice, no conditioning. No, like we are just strength training. And so that's kind of my baseline standpoint. And then I'll do another test uh, the middle of January. And that's when we're kind of at our peak activity level. It's the middle of season. Guys are run down. They're tired, fatigued, traveling, competing, playing, practicing. And I'll look at those two spectrums of data. And each and every year, whether it's June or January, they're always magnesium deficient. Every one of them from an athletic standpoint. So magnesium would be number one. Uh, number two would be an omega-3 deficiency by far and beyond. Now, we can get into gut health and more specific things, but that's probably beyond this spectrum of this talk. But uh, omega-3 deficiency is by far number two because these guys do not eat enough high-quality wild meats and fats and so forth. It's processed foods, quick, easy, convenient, whatever. You know, I'm eating this or that, but it's not a quality type of fat. So magnesium one, omega three, number two. Number three is by far zinc, okay? Because when you want to talk about physical repair, zinc is imperative for that. And my guys get broken down each and every day from, again, strength training from me, practice, individual shooting like i think there's a big misconception when people think like oh i want to train athletes right you have them for an hour out of that day that's 24 minus one this gives you 23 hours left what is your athlete doing for the next 23 hours well they are on that court right out there for four or five hours a day that gets you down to like 18 or 19 hours okay then they will have a nap, go eat. They may have to go to class for two or three hours. They will go to class. Sorry, they might, they might not have to. They will. Uh, that gets you down you know, to 14, 13, 12. Uh, then they're doing normal life, eating, girlfriends, social, whatever. Like, there's not a lot of time in the day, right? So like, what they're doing in that 24-hour period from a repair and restorative and tissue regeneration standpoint is really, really, really crucial. And each and every year I see it, they're all deficient in zinc. So I would say magnesium, fish oil, zinc. And then number four, I would obviously put a probiotic. I think a broad spectrum probiotic is really important. I won't even get into the gut health of these guys. I won't even touch that subject. Do another one on that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk again another time. But about the gut health, yeah. Yeah. Don't go into my locker room. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so those would be my top supplements uh, right up for an athlete. And then uh, I would say number five, to answer your question, because you asked for five, uh, the one limiting factor besides from a health and wellness standpoint is a really, really, really important uh, pre or intra workout supplement. They're lacking in BCAAs and so forth. For when they train because you again it goes back into their schedule if you are one of my athletes you understand you have the academic guy demanding you for two hours you have the media guy needs an interview for an hour you have the head coach who needs to watch film because you screwed this this and this up in practice for three hours you have my maniac self who needs you for two hours you need this and this, like people are pulling stuff out of you nonstop. Like I tell my guys, like you're pulled in a million, 
what are you putting back into your body? Everyone's taking stuff out. You have to put that much more and that much uh, extra in. And so that, that, that's a really important thing when people want to work with athletes. It's not about writing the program and let's do this and look great on Instagram. It's like, how are you going to make that guy holistically better day in and day out? Like I could be the biggest Instagram star besides The Rock, of course. <laughs> but like, it, that's not me. Like, I want to make my guys better. I spend more time texting breakfast, dinner, lunch, show me this, this, this. Like, I don't care about that stuff. Like, I want to make you better. And I think that goes into the 24-hour cycle of, of being a strength coach for an athlete, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone wants a part of them. Everyone does. Well, people – I want to be put into them. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you people, I mean, I, I, I was very fortunate. I got to spend six, six or seven years as a professional uh, MMA fighter. Uh, I don't think people realize how, how much output is required to get even 1% better. Like, no doubt. It's, you know, once you start to play with the ends of the spectrum, it's so much, it's so much time invested for such a small return. And then on top of that, you have a, a special population. Like we're, talking about, we're talking about gigantic people. <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's funny it's, uh, maybe we can post it but i got like i have a seven foot two guy who can scratch his ankle without leaning over and he <laughs> grabs the chin up bar and does this like it's unbelievable and you want to talk about lever length and squatting and range of motion like like a rep's not equal to a rep so from a metabolic standpoint it's not, not even close you know but but with the, it's a great thing with the one percent rule that you brought up like as a competitive fighter, like, how are you outworking that next guy? And how do you know that the guy below him is not out? Like, each and every day, man, you got to wake up and say, you know what? I've got to be better. And I think a lot of these guys today, they wake up, they look at their Instagram or Twitter feed, and they feel how good you did last night in the game, or you look this good in your Instagram post. Like, it's just – it's a negative constant feedback and loop. So like I don't have that stuff for a reason because when my guys come in, I don't have a preconceived notion of like you did this or you did that. I look at you and I look at you and you know what? I'm going to bury you. I'm going to bury you. Like we're going to get better today. Like I don't care who you are. Like we're going to get better. I don't care what you did yesterday. It means nothing to me. I care about the next game. Like, like I want you to perform at the highest level in your fight or whatever. Like, Let's go, you know? Yeah, I think you made such an important point about, you know, the buildup period in between those other 23 hours. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, like, especially with athletes, like they're breaking everything down, whether it's other stressors in their life and ma managing school, everything that they're doing is, and even exercise, obviously breaking down constantly, right? So without that buildup period, it's, it's so hard to get anywhere. And eventually their bodies will, you know, obviously remind them that they can't just break it down all the time. So what are some of those, you know, obviously you mentioned your habits, but what are some of those you know, recovery pillars or, you know, big, big areas to build your athletes up in between. If you, you know, had an athlete and you could just tell them kind of one thing that they, one to two things that they could focus on, what would be those like build up for them? Yeah. Well, again, okay. So that goes again to theory and reality. <laughs> uh, you know, what's funny is, is the head coach uh, each and every year I do a sleep presentation for my team. 
Um, so I give them something very different that I would teach on, but it's more the watered down version in English, the pillars of how to sleep. Again, we call it sleep hygiene. Uh, a lot of it I learned from Matthew Walker as well as yeah, uh, book is great. Yeah, he, he's the best. Uh, as well as uh, obviously Charles, who I think was 20 years ahead of his time with this stuff. And uh, that's the very, very, again, first thing that I try and change um, is from a recovery and regeneration standpoint is sleep because, you know, your life and my life and your life, like I think I would assume we're pretty consistent with what we do, give or take, uh, with respect to going to bed and waking up and having the right mindset each and every day. But, you know, the longer I've coached and longer I've done this, the worse it's gotten. And I'll revert back to this point where Charles, I know I said his name a million times, but he, he was the reason I am where I am, uh, you know, wearing this today. Uh, he told me 10 years ago, the average uh, attention span was 30 seconds. So you can do the math. Let's start. I'll talk for 30 seconds and you can see if you remember what I said, but whatever. You guys are smart and brilliant. Um, but if I'm giving a team lecture, different deal. Not that they're not as smart, but, you know, whatever. And today, <laughs> it is now 10 seconds. Okay? So think about if you're trying to teach or make a point, how you have to change your verbiage or change your mindset or your intellectual uh, comments from 30 seconds, cut it down to 10. Not easy to do. I want to say, hey, go to bed at the same time, you know, wake up at the same time, set your alarm to go to bed, not to wake up. I want to prove all these points, but you have to condense it in the quick, 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 short bullet points. So what I do each and every year is I give a sleep presentation, and the very, very most important thing is like teach these guys how to go to bed. And I, I, the reason this may seem remedial to me and you but I'll never forget this. Uh, about uh, He mentioned number seven, but seven years ago, I gave a talk to my team, and I said, hey, number one, prepare the bat cave. Black out your room. No light, no TV, no phone, nothing. The red dot on your TV, the skin is an organ. It will perceive light. Cover it up, right? Gave all, I gave this hour presentation, whatever. I thought it was brilliant. So the next day I quizzed the guys and said, hey, give me one thing that you learned. One thing. No joke. Every single guy mentioned to me, I never knew you had to have a dark room to go to sleep. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, where did you grow up? Like, like, what? Is it Alaska? Like, the sun doesn't go down sometimes in the year? Like, where are you from? And it hit me then of like, just the knowledge, or sorry, the lack of knowledge of actually how to go to sleep, we, we take for granted, like, like we do, you know? Maybe it's like us three, like learning how to do an in-and-out hardened crossover dribble, one-step pull-up Kobe. What, like, that's foreign to me, but us, like, let's make the room dark and let's go to bed. Pretty simple, right? <laughs> they had no clue. None of them. It wasn't just one guy, like none of them. So – it made my mindset go back and be like, okay, let me go back to my audience and look at who I'm teaching. So I had to really uh, deregulate and simplify of like, 
how to teach these guys go to sleep. So the very most important thing is like, turn your phone off. They're like, well, my alarm, I got to wake up. I got, I got lifting in the morning at 8 a.m. I can't be, wait for, can't be late for weights. You're going to kill me. I'm like, okay, put it on airplane mode. Put your phone and your alarm's going to go off. They have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy's like, I didn't know napping with a TV on was bad. Like, yes. Like, they, they have no clue how to sleep. So, like, it really made me be simplistic of my message. And it goes back again, uh, again, to what Charles taught me. is like the audio has to match the video. Like, they have to connect. So, what I'm saying, they have to relate to and so forth. So, Yeah. But like teaching them how to sleep, like that's the most important thing for recovery. It, I don't care what supplements you take, what you eat. If you don't sleep, you will never heal. You won't. Yeah, 100%. I like it. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was say, is there, who of all the athletes that you worked with, um, is there any athlete that stands out for being, uh, for being the most dialed in and uh, committed to his craft? Wow. You're going to make me name favorites, man. Like that's my thing is I treat them all the same, whether you're whatever, whoever, like we are all the same. So I, I never, ever, ever have favorites. Got um, it. But I, I, it's a great question though, because I know a lot of people out there want to hear. Um, I will say this and I'm not bragging on Florida, but we have the most, uh, I think we have the third most current NBA players out of any school. Not the most drafted, but the most current on a roster. So, like, what does that mean? Well, our guys know what it takes to be successful to make it in the NBA. So, like, a lot of teams draft this on talent and talent and talent and so forth, but, like, those guys don't make it. My guys understand what goes into winning and how to work and how to be successful. So, the reason I say that is – the very first thing, uh, he's not, they were on the wall. They changed the wall. But uh, Al Horford, okay, who's an all-star, uh, Brad Beal, he's the most successful guy to never make an all-star team. But you can Google that. People are pissed. He should have been on the all-star team. Uh, Joaquin Noah, other guys. Like those guys, uh, the very first thing they did when they signed their contract, and I'll, you know what, I'll put it on you. What's the very first thing that they bought or invested in, I should say? Not black diamond earrings, but like, like what's the first thing they invested in? When they, when they signed their contract? Black yeah. lines. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. They got this money. They got the contract. What they did, they all seriously invested in, in, in a personal chef. They said, okay, the one thing you taught me besides how to sleep was how to eat. So they all said, I got money. Let, I don't want to deal with the cooking like I ain't doing that so they had people buy their food for them and chefs and they played 15 years in the NBA now there's a reason for that when some other guys who are talented they get drafted they get this money whatever like they don't take care of themselves from a health and wellness supplement and nutrition standpoint you know what I mean so I think that's a big thing but uh, I've had some really good success stories of I won't give you the NBA stuff because that's a lot of that's based on talent. Uh, but I've had guys, I'll give you a story of one guy um, who, gosh, they're probably as good as you or me. Like, like they're not you're a bad player, but you probably can't. I'm a bad player. I'm a bad player. Keep going. He can hoop. We can't. 
<laughs> she can shoot free throws. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I can tell. But anyway, uh, they weren't as naturally gifted or talented, you know, perceived from, from an athletic standpoint, run for, you know, jump 40 inches, whatever, but they put work in for a four year period and they got better each and each and each and every year from the skill standpoint. They were awful coming in. I'm like, this guy sucks. I'm like, we're not going to win a game if we got to play this guy. He's awful. I'm like, he sucks. <laughs> and so by the second, third, and fourth year, I'm like, okay, like, he's a starter. Like, we need him. We let, let him play him, play him. He needs to play more because those guys put the work and energy and effort and being consistent each and every day. They got stronger. I can give you numbers in the weight room and like, unbelievable. And those guys are making a lot of money overseas now and have an extensive career. And every year they email or text or call me and say, yo, P, man, can I get a program? I need this and this. and Give me a diet. Give me a workout. Like, or they come back and train. Like they've invested in their physical development. And there's a reason those guys have played, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years overseas making money. And it's not about, again, what I, the program that I put them on, but it's about teaching those guys how to work hard and being consistent, treating other people the right way, doing things the right way, uh, being consistent with your attitude, uh, and each, you know, and doing all those little intangibles. And that's why those guys are successful, you know, and, and I'll be honest, like they may not have had that when they came in as a, as a freshman at age 17, 18 years old, like no way. Like those guys weren't making it in society acting with that sort of behavior. You know, it goes back to those foundation principles of gratitude, truth, toughness, and loyalty. Like you have to have those four wheels if you want to be successful in life. It's, it's, it's true. I love that. Well, we want to be mindful of your time, but we do yeah, have right. a question. I talked for, I don't know if I answered one thing. I'm sorry, but. No, I love it. I think there's so much value in, in uh, everything that you've gone over today, especially. Well, ask me one more thing. One more question. Uh, we have, we, have, we have a couple more questions, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. So, you know, based off of the, you know, relationship with Designs for Sport and, or Designs for Health, now Designs for Sport, which yep. we're very excited about. I'm sure we could get into why it's important to have that certification, especially for the athletes that you're working with. Um, but what are your current go-to supplements right now? From sports, like a performance perspective? Yeah. Like, uh no, well, we talked about that, but oh. for you personally. Oh, you personally. Got it. Uh, again. <laughs> okay, well, uh, no, no, no. I'll refer back um, to understand who I was taught from and, and my journey and path again. With yep. Charles is the very first thing when I wake up in the morning is I will take 10 grams of glutamine. The very first thing, uh, obviously for growth hormone and then he explained to me, I think in 1999, uh, gosh, I'm old, uh, but he said, hey, do this every day for the rest of your life. It's transaminic, which means that the body will convert glutamine into whatever amino acid that your body needs. So start your day off with that. So I will wake up, I take 10 grams of glutamine. Uh, and then after that, I will take approximately two grams of acetyl L-carnitine. Uh, for the brain, not that I need it, but just to protect the brain uh, health from cognitive uh, stress and so forth. Okay. Um, off of that, 
I will use, right now I love the Primal Multi uh, from Designs. I'm a big fan of that. I think it's a phenomenal uh, product and, and ratio and so forth. The thing with multis is I like to rotate them. Um, so I may go through two bottles of that and then I'll go into the complete multi uh, twice daily or whatever. I like to rotate uh, the multis just from a spectrum of different ratios and so forth. Uh, with respect to my labs, again, what I take is dependent on what my labs are showing. Again, I'm a big fan of not taking something if you don't need it or taking too much if you don't need it. Uh, but I do like a lot of zinc um, just from a health and wellness and tissue repair because I like to train six days a week still. Uh, so from a training aspect, I think zinc's very, very, very important. Uh, the one thing I will be honest and very transparent about, I, and Charles taught me this, I used to take, gosh, like 30 grams of fish oil every day, forever, uh, and I cut back on that. I'll do like two months of fish oil, take a month off, and then go back on it. Um, just because I don't do a fatty acid test every so often, but just to have the ratio of three, six, nine, and so forth uh, from that standpoint. And then uh, I like a broad spectrum probiotic. Big fan of that. And then again, in the evenings, like you could, I used to do it with Charles. We take chelation therapy of magnesium all the time of an IV, but I uh, can't do that anymore right now. But I cannot get enough magnesium. When I'm done training, I like to take five tabs of the magnesium glycinate. Uh, I think it's the best chelate of magnesium post-training uh, and so forth. So uh, it's kind of my general spectrum. I'll, I will run like an adrenal protocol after every season. So when my season's over, uh, I'll do a specific right and left kidney adrenal protocol just because I'm worn down from tired stress and, you know, we're up five, then we're down three. There's a minute to go. Like it's just, it's it's a crazy, crazy uh, sport to be a part of. Uh, so there's different things I like to do outside of that. But yeah, it's kind of my generalization of of what I do. But again, I the one thing I will stress, uh, and I'll quote Charles was that is that supplements are like parachutes. You should never buy cheap. Like you better know what you're getting, where it came from. Uh, and pack it the right way. So that's why I'm a huge fan of, of what you guys do uh, with respect to, to BFH and so forth is, you know, supplements are great, but if you're buying cheap stuff from certain places, it's more detrimental than taking nothing. So, yeah. Awesome. Along that same, along that same vein, then what is your, what is your weekly training routine look like? That's what I was gonna... <laughs> Six days a week. <laughs> It changes every two weeks. Uh, I'm earth type, but the person who currently writes my training programs, uh, she's got me on this crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So every two weeks they change. Um, but I have to do something each and every day. I, I don't feel that as a coach I could be as good as I could be if I'm not training. So even on my off day, I like to do forearms and calves. And I think a lot of it's because of, of uh, who mentored me, but, uh, I have to do something each and every day, but I like to, the one thing it, which is important, actually a great question is uh, as a coach, he once told me, if you stop training, then you need to stop coaching. And to this day, it's really stuck home with me because it reiterates uh, coaching technique, range of motion, load choices and things like that. And 
my rule of thumb is I never want to prescribe a training paradigm or a method that I've never done myself. Right. So for me to put an athlete through something I've never done, like I can't prescribe how he's going to respond to the lack of rest or intensity drop off or, or what have you. So I like to experiment with a lot of different stuff uh, with my training and so forth. Yeah. Awesome. Last question. Awesome. If there was a resource to give just one to give up and coming strength coaches, people who want to do what you're doing, what would that be? That's a, that's, you can't end that. We can't end this on that question. That's a problem. <laughs> wow. Wow. There's not one perfect resource. And, and I, I'm going to answer this in two parts. I'm going to give you the generic answer of like, read everything you can read, learn everything, blah, blah, blah. All that. Like, it's very, very, very true. And I'll go back to how I, I think a big reason of why I think I'm like the only strength coach in the country that never be fired. <laughs> I really do because I've never had the mindset of just, I'm not good enough to be complacent. Okay. So like draft picks, rings, trophies, whatever. Like I'm not good enough as a strength coach to just wake up and be like, I got it figured out, man. Like my dudes are strong. We're in shape. Like, he's, like I'm not good enough to be complacent. So I've always had that mindset where like never stop learning. You know what I mean? Like I can learn something whether I agree or not, or whether I think they're terrible. Like I can still learn something, but I think a big problem today with, with up and coming strength coaches is they, they want to work with athletes they want to be the straight coach for whatever, whatever. And they think it's like easy because you're working with it's I'll be honest. It's harder <laughs> to do what I do and work with a professional team or whatever than it is to work in a private sector. And here's why those guys are paying you to train them. My guys aren't like you want to deal with this dude who scored 35 points last night was on ESPN in front of 20 million people and he just got hit up from X amount of Instagram DM. Like, let's go. You think he wants to come in and train the next day? Good luck. He ain't paying you $200 an hour. Like I got to find a way to get that guy to be humble and motivated and get him ready for that next game to physically, mentally, and emotionally ready to compete. So like my job is harder than those other people. So like, I'm not good enough to be complacent. So there's not one good place to, read a book or to learn. Uh, but I guess my answer to the question, and it goes back, I think I answered this earlier, is it goes back like I did four private internships with Charles when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. And I took out personal loans to pay the guy. I, I don't even know if I paid those loans off. I'm probably in debt still. Uh, but I learned more from going out and seeking the best and learning from them. Like there's not a lot of people today that they want to go out and invest, whether it's going to see the person for a week, joining them on the, the designs for a sport webinar or whatever. Like they think just Googling this or reading this or YouTube, whatever. It's like, I got it figured out. Like, man, nothing beats experience. Like if you want to be good at this, go invest the money and go spend time from somebody and learn. You may choose one or two things from them that you like. You may not like eight things from them, whatever, but like get better. 
don't just learn on the internet. Like that drives me nuts. I've had more interns. I won't even get on this tangent because it's going to take 30 minutes, but I'm like really passionate about this. I've had more people show up. I want to work with athletes, athletes, athletes. Like, let's go. I want to do this. I'm like, you want to be it. You want to hang out and just like watch these guys and hang out and talk to them. Like, no, like jump in and coach. Like for the 45 minutes you're on the floor with these guys, coach, you can talk to them later. You ain't here to be the friend. You know what I mean? So like, it just, I think there's something to be, to be said and be valued with like going and investing time and money and learning from the people that you respect. I love that. I think, you know, as you mentioned, there's, there is a big problem, which is thinking that you can watch something and be able to actually coach it or do it in person. So yeah, like if you learn a new exercise on Instagram of a guy doing whatever, like that's great. But like, how can you apply that? When are you going to put that in a periodization model? Who the heck needs that exercise and why? Like, where are you going to learn that from? It's not about the movement or it looks cool or sexy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things that look sexy, but like aren't actually like fun <laughs> and vice versa. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Preston. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Great it was meeting fantastic. you. Fantastic. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. Your uh, passion definitely comes out in the way that you speak. And I think everyone's going to get a lot out of this conversation. So we'll definitely have to do a follow-up because there's a lot of topics that we can do a deep dive in. Great. Well, I appreciate you guys' time. It's great meeting you.